everyone. My name is Jonathan Freese, and you are listening to What the Fly, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swakowski. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, how's it going, Pastor Jonathan? I am so excited. I am. Seeing how fast I can talk the intro. (laughs) (laughs) That shows how excited we are. When we talk really fast, it means we're really excited to talk about this topic. Can you keep this energy throughout the entire episode? I probably cannot. No, I know I can. Uh, But I'm regardless, I'm excited. I don't know if I can speak as quickly as I was speaking in the intro. However, I am very excited because what we're going to be talking about today is witnessing witnessing yes hello who is it yeah oh a track what oh (laughs) yeah yeah yep that's it that's it a A book that would change my life what are you talking about (laughs) what you you have a trifolded brochure that will help me have eternal life thank you wow yes Yes. please come in yeah here's (laughs) here's some money okay anyway um what is the background of this topic, Pastor Joel, with witnessing? All right. So again, we, we're seeing, I think, at the season three, episode one, we, we definitely did take a launch forward. We are progressing mm-hmm. forward. So now mm-hmm. it's not about our salvation. It's about others. So the history, the background here is really Jesus left us with a mission. We call it the Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28. This mission is to make disciples of all nations. A part of that is witnessing to others or testifying to others, sharing your testimony, right? Nice. Yeah. Of how Christ has transformed my own life. So really what we're talking about here is how do I lead someone to Christ? Because there's really important implication here. No one makes it to God or to heaven without an invitation. Interesting. Yeah. Well, testifying to others about Christ's transformation in my own life, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. But we're talking about how people have been hurt by this topic. So how have people been hurt by this topic in the church? Well, the church tends to, to explain only one or two ways to be a witness. One of them is the Romans road. That's a grouping of verses in the, in the book of Romans that when done in this certain order, will show somebody some of the steps they need to become saved. That's one method that the church teaches. The other one is to prove to the person that they're a sinner. Mm. So if I prove they did one thing wrong in the law, God would see them as sinful. So this would be like the the technique people use to say, um, you know, what would, what would, why would God let you to heaven? You know, if you've done all these bad things. So these are the two really limiting methods of witnessing that are taught primarily like primarily the only ones used in the church from what i see a lot of times 
So a lot of people are either witnessing wrong or they're not doing it at all. So that's really where the damage comes in. The conflict in the church or the issue here is pe- most often people are witnessing wrong or they're just not witnessing. Interesting. So what does this issue look like in the church? So these two different routes, right? Romans yeah. road or the you're, you're a sinner road. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? when you say it like that. Yeah. So the, the way this looks like on the strict side, right? Mm-hmm. Something I do, I'm efforting my way into it. It's very disciplined. It's a list of rules. Right. Here with either of these routes, the Romans road or the you're a sinner road, I have to open my Bible and quote scripture at you or i have to ask you the question that we've seen we see happen a lot is the if you stood before god and he asked you why he should let you in what would you say like have you ever take have you ever stolen anything have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your eyes have you ever lied yes 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 so you're a sinner right that's the you're a sinner road that's right so unfortunately, are you here, TMing you, that by the way? Yeah. Hey, the Romans road, I'm doing the sinners. You're a sinner road. You're a sinner road, TM. <laughs> but so what, what the issue here is this, this strict side, these two methods that are widely used do not account for the uniqueness of the person being witnessed to hmm. or the uniqueness of the per- person doing the witnessing. Which I think one of the reasons we see people either do it wrong or maybe say, I don't want to do it. I don't want to witness is because the only way they've been taught is a way that doesn't fit who they are. Oh man. So there isn't a one specific step-by-step, step-by-step presentation used in the Bible as it relates to witness. Mm, so there's not, so there are these select verses or there's this, these Romans road but it's not, hey, if someone wants to be saved or if you're witnessing, f- follow these seven steps for witnessing. No. That's not in there. Okay. It isn't. It isn't. All right. So people who have this strict perspective, how do they support it with the Bible? So here's where I, I can I can emphasize more the point you were just making. I like yeah. this question. So um, there isn't like the the concept romans road is man-made now witnessing is in the bible the right way to witness is in the bible okay but there Mm -hmm. isn't a bible passage or a book that is titled the step-by-step method of witnessing there isn't a chapter in the book of romans that paul titled romans road in fact i can go through the so the biblical support the Romans road is their biblical support. Okay. And then you could even say for the, you're a sinner road. It's, I could use the 10 commandments. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal, you know, don't commit murder. If you've done any one of these things, even if you've taken a paperclip from work, that's stealing. Right. So I'm using, that's my biblical support is really the 10 commandments with the, you're a sinner road and with the Romans road, the biblical support is in Romans, but notice to prove your point, the verses go, as it was written, there is none righteous. No, not one. That's Romans chapter three, verse 10. Then for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans chapter three, verse 23. So I skipped 13 verses there. 
Now notice Romans road is really kind of stealing from the Euro center road because mm-hmm. the first, the we first part establish. Of, yep. You got to establish that you're a sinner and that you need salvation. That's right. Then it goes all the way to Romans six, where it explains again that, well, if you're a sinner, we've already established that you're worthy of death for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. These are great verses. Me and pastor Jonathan love these verses, right? These are amazing. They are incredible, man. But is this the way I'm supposed to witness to every person? Because then the next one. Now we're going back to Romans chapter five. So proving the point here. This Romans road, although these verses do show some important implications about what, why we need salvation and what we need to do to gain our salvation. It's a very rigid process to open my Bible and read these verses to a person, especially to every person that I try witnessing to. Because we go Romans 3, Romans 3, Romans 6, Romans 5, Romans 10. So these verses are great, yet using this as the method of witnessing for everyone can be damaging. Yeah, and that makes sense. You know, and I've seen people do this. I've seen people take someone through the Romans road and it's freaking awesome like powerful moment yeah in someone's life i've seen people take someone through the romans road and it be yeah catastrophic oh man just like hindering someone's ability to come towards god so that's our point here is like that what's the point here is this method of witnessing doesn't isn't the right way for everyone right so the times it's not the right way for a person, it's actually causing damage. So someone has this perspective, Pastor Joel. How would you handle an interaction with someone who believes there's one way, Romans Road, and it's that strict perspective? How would you handle it? One of the things I could ask that person, so again, we just love, in this point, we love asking questions to understand the other person Mm. and asking these questions is also the method of communication. That's also going to protect my thought process from being damaged. Nice. That's what we're trying to help these people, right? These people who are being hurt by this. One of the questions I could ask is, do you know how often Jesus quoted scripture to somebody that he was trying to help get saved? (laughs) That's a great question, right? I like, I don't know. Uh, I don't never. How often did Jesus quote scripture when he was helping people? Period. Pretty rare. Mm. Told a lot of stories. He taught a lot of doctrine. Think of the example of helping the woman at the, at the well, the witnessing he did there. I don't, I mean, that was, that was pretty, she asked for salvation and he said, no, he essentially said, no, hold on. You know, so like, whoa, that's pretty bold of Jesus. But point being, though, a question you could ask this person who's coming at you with the Romans road is, is this the method Jesus used or Jesus taught? I mean, I remember a pretty classic example of when Jesus was quoting scripture at someone. And what was that? uh, It was when he was 
going into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. And he quoted scripture at Satan. And yep. I also remember him quoting scripture at the Pharisees. Yep. Where it's like, uh, to massively, I, I, you know, my, when was Jesus directly quoting scripture to massively confront someone? It wasn't, like, with, it wasn't with, witnesses, game, right? no, it was game over. Yeah. Game set match. It's done. Yep. Right. Yep. So another question I love to ask the people who only use this method of, of witnessing is how were you saved? Was it by someone directly telling you that you're a sinner? Mm. And, and if so, is the person, and, and have, have you helped somebody with this method? Well, cause you might get back. The person might come back and say, well, I've sa- I've helped people get saved this way. I'd like to know is this person who got saved according to this method still serving God or growing in sanctification? Or are they out doing that same method of witnessing to other people? Because unfortunately, this method of witnessing can facilitate this flawed view of salvation and sanctification if we don't, if we're not explaining this right. So that's another great question, because I know for me, I was saved when I finally got to a point in my life where I couldn't live my plan anymore. My Mm. will wasn't working. And I was so broken that I, that I was ready for something different. And what it wasn't somebody confronting me by saying, Joel, you're this big sinner, Joel, read Romans chapters three, five, six, and 10. It was seeing the people surrounding me who were living for God, living lives of purpose and happiness and joy and being fulfilled. That's what drew me in. That's right. Because, you know, for the people that hold that strict perspective, can I just tell you that you're wrong and you're going to change your behavior is really what this is. It's like, you're a sinner. So you need God, you know? Right. So it's essentially you're wrong. Here's how you can be right. Or here's what you need to get right. Well, can I do that with, can I do that with you? (laughs) Tell the Christian. Yeah. This is how I'm going to confront you then too. Okay. Stop being sinners. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the strict perspective. I'm going to summarize it. So when we're talking about witnessing, it is massively ineffective due to not accounting for someone's uniqueness. Uh, two ways, both ways, both of the person delivering Romans road or that technique and the hearer of it. Right. It's a really a denial of uniqueness, both people. This is how you do it and you do it to everyone. So it is way too formulaic for uh, testifying about Christ. There's no, we're not, there's the uniqueness is being wiped out. The story is the same for everybody, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's, we know that so- something is wrong here. Yeah. Something is wrong. So before we go to the loose perspective, why don't we take a look at our phones here and, oh, look at that. We got a call, Pastor Joel, from 
Our buddy, Pastor Richard Tater. Nice. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor Tater. You are on the line. Oh, uh, yes. Hello, Pastor Joe, Pastor Jonathan. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Uh, before I began listening to your show, uh, I believe in witnessing by going door to door. That's something that I used to do when I was a young whippersnap all the way until an older age. Uh, I also would stand on street corners. And let people know that they were going to hell if they weren't saved. You know, get up off on a box and to find the brimstone coming down at you. Now, I realize that I probably turned more people off from the gospel than I helped. Yep. And in fact, I wonder if I really did help anyone because most of those people are no longer serving the Lord. Wow. Pastor Tater. Uh, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing that. I think there's a lot of people who feel that same way, who've done those same things, but don't have the courage to share what you did. So thank you very much. Yeah, well, I used to tell my kids that every moment they weren't warning their friends about hell was a moment they were doing the devil's work. The fact is, Everyone thought what I was offering was a life of door knocking and street corner ranting. Well, how are things going now? I've actually had several people reach out to me for restoration, Pastor Joel, because people were seeing the difference God was making in my life. I guess it's because now I have something that they want. And you know what? We can feel that from you whenever you call. We can feel this energy and we talk about it. Pastor Tater, we we want to experience that same thing that you have as well. We're excited for you. This is awesome. This is what it means to be witnessing. Yeah, well, I guess we are all witnessing whether we realize it or not, you know? Thank y'all boys for letting me share. I will hang up and listen to y'all's response. This was my favorite podcast. You hate God bless. Oh, thank you so much, Pastor Tater, for the call. That was awesome. Pastor Joel, what did you think about that? Wow. Wow. What a pastor. <laughs> Yo, it's awesome to have uh, one of these elder pastors impact in our lives this way the transformation from you know he always brought a value to his calls normally though in in season one especially the value he brought was really in our ability to commentate on what he was saying Mm. now the value he's bringing is direct from him from who god created him to be he's teaching and preaching stuff to us that we are directly benefiting from he's being a leader it's amazing so, it is and, yeah and this this point he makes of door knocking is great because it's it's often in tandem with these methods of witnessing that we've expressed right the romans road the you're a sinner road happens door knocking happens street corner ranting as he called it i love his street corner <laughs> street ranting. corner ranting but no one in the bible yeah. 
took the approach that Pastor Tater shared with us that he used to do. No one did door knocking like that. In fact, we see John the Baptist went away from the people. Oh, that's such a good perspective. He went into the desert Mm. so that people themselves had to choose to come out and hear him. So street corner ranting, door knocking, I'm going to go away from people. And it'll be an expression of your will if you want to come out and hear me. Love it. Thank you, Pastor Tater. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, and uh, it honestly, like, I thought it was incredible what he shared and how this information, um, what he used to tell his kids. And I'm curious right. what's going on with his kids. You know, I'm, I'm curious yeah. what's happening now with them. And so I think it's cool how he's taking risks with us and kind of sharing more of his story. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm excited to see if we get to hear more about it. And so yeah, so thanks for that's calling what, Pastor Tater. Yeah, cuz that's what we need. We need we need to hear his experiences, his stories of what it was like to grow up as a pastor, to grow up as a man, to be a leader for as many years as he had. I mean, that's why these these older pastors are such a benefit to the generations that precede them is because we can learn from their successes and their failures and that's what he's definitely starting to do so it's been yeah a blessing yeah what an honor yeah again thank you pastor tater thanks for listening and being such a diligent caller we we do we value it so yeah and and thanks for that pastor joel that we we need that you and i need that as as young pastors that experience is priceless to us and thank you for calling me young (laughs) (laughs) yeah buddy yeah Yeah. (laughs) it still feels that way doesn't it It does feel that way it does yeah i don't i don't i hope i i I hope i always feel this way i mean this this energy this like it hasn't felt like a long time that we've been doing this you know sure doesn't yeah okay great so that was the strict side of the perspective let's go to the other side Pastor Joel, with the loose perspective. The loose perspective is you don't need to witness because your life is a witness. Now notice, this was Pastor Tater's point. One of the points he made, yet we'll see, Pastor Tater was right in what he said. And this loose side is wrong. And their reason for this belief that you don't need to witness or that your life is a witness. Okay. So your life is a witness. How have people been hurt by that perspective? Well, the, see what, what we see with what Pastor Tater meant. Pastor Tater didn't use it as a rationalization to never express his faith or share his story with people. A lot of times what, what will happen is People will say, my life is a witness, so I don't need to tell you about how Jesus has transformed me. Mm. Where Pastor Tater's point wasn't, my life is a witness, so I don't have to express or state my story or my testimony. I don't have to testify. His was, 
in addition to testifying about my walk with the Lord, my life also represents that testifying. Hmm. And that's ultimately what it would be and why, you know, Pastor Tater's right. But this is in this is not meant to be an excuse to sh- to not share my testimony with people. So the people have been hurt by this, your life as a witness, you don't need to directly or vocally witness is giving people a rationalization to not share their faith in Christ. Aha. Uh-huh. They can just look at me. I don't need to tell them. I don't need to tell people I'm a Christian. They'll see it in my behavior. So these people can even rationalize not sharing when they are confronted. And Jesus said he wouldn't acknowledge them before God if they don't acknowledge him before men. (laughs) So, yeah, I think the word of God says we do need to testify. Yes, our lives are a witness as well. And that was really your response to Pastor Tater when he when he was still on the line with us was we're benefiting from you right now. You are being a witness to us. He was. He was sharing with us and his behaviors are also a witness. So it comes both. It's your actions and your words. It's word and deed. It's not just this, oh, great. My deeds are a witness. Now I don't have to tell people I'm a Christian. I think that happens in the church a lot because people are embarrassed to be Christians these days. Absolutely. Yeah. I think people are, are, I don't, I don't want to be lumped in with those people. You know, I don't want right. to be seen as that type of person. I don't want to be, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be judged as those people. So I'm not going to share. Yep. So how would you handle an interaction with someone who held that loose perspective? You know, that they're saying, I don't need, I don't need to share my faith in Christ. So one of the techniques I like to do in these is, is ask a question or share myself. And even if I ask a question is to, to word it in a way where I'm asking myself. So I could say to this person, well, do you think Jesus would be satisfied with me telling him when he asks me how I did with the great commission, that my life was a witness. Do you think Jesus would be okay with me saying that? Notice how putting the question on me takes it one more step off of the person that I'm interacting with. Definitely. I could also ask, do you want to help people? This seems like a really big question to ask. It is a really big question to ask. It's a massive confrontation an indirect confrontation to this person, but it does bring up this implication of people on this side. We're, we're not saying that your life isn't a a witness. We're saying your life and your words are a witness, your life, your actions, and your testimony are a witness. The people on this side are saying my life is enough. I don't need to testify. So what we're really saying here is the implication is you're not helping people receive salvation when you deny testifying to them Hmm. when you don't use that as part of your process so that's why this question do you want to help people is so great and if i was to ask this person do you want to help people again my my point here is just to ask the question it's not even to really search for an answer the question itself is going to do the work in that person's thought process that's really gonna that's really gonna confront them and and whether or not this belief they have about witnessing is the right one. 
but ultimately what's happening on this side it's people are worried about salvation mm-hmm. and we don't want to be worried we dealt with this in season two with once saved always saved it's these right. doctrine we create as men that help relieve these unsettled feelings we have about whether or not i'm actually on the right path so the real benefit that people on this loose side get is to not worry about salvation in the moment however appealing to others this way may bring questions and the realization that they aren't saved which was the whole point of of embracing this approach in the first place point being a lot of times if my focus is I don't want to worry about whether or not I'm saved and I go out of my way to help other people get saved, I'm in danger of them asking me questions. I don't have the answers to And I might find out I'm not saved if I don't have an answer to a question they ask me about salvation. So you know what? I'm not gonna, that's where the benefit comes in of, I don't have to testify. I don't have to vocally or in word be a witness to people. Really, the benefit I receive is that I'm not in as much danger of people asking me, hey, if they know I'm a Christian, they might ask me, what's it mean to be a Christian? I'm not sure I want to answer that. Wow. And this this loose side tends to be people with a thought process where they're doing what they can to avoid tension. Right. Those questions are tense, especially if you don't know the answer to them. Wow, that's amazing. So I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about my salvation because I'm actually worried about it and I'm worried about being wrong in a certain area in it. Yeah. And if I'm wrong in that certain area, then it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I'm not saved. Maybe not. Maybe not. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm not sure. And so it's maybe, 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 maybe. I don't, I don't want to think about maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So it just comes out as this feeling of, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. With that loose perspective of it's like, so, you know, do you go to church or, you know, do you have this belief or, Hey, I saw that you went to church or both. Yep. I don't, I don't, my life, my life is witness. Yeah. I, I just, I don't really want to talk about it. Yep. You know, like I don't feel comfortable talking about it, blah, blah, blah. And right. Yeah. Interesting. So, when you see this going on in the church, these perspectives, Pastor Joel, the loose and the strict perspective, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I can relate. I know for me, this was uh, this was an area that I did struggle with as a, especially as an early Christian, of what it meant to witness. And I think it was because I had this idea that Pastor Tater had share. There's this one way you have to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to do it that way. So I've seen this happen in the church. I've seen the the way the church teaches this information lead to people witnessing wrong or not witnessing at all. And we see people be impacted by that. So there's three categories of people as it relates to witnessing. We they're The first category is the people we feel sorry for. We pity these people. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we look down at them. That means we feel bad. We show compassion. We, yeah, we, we're empathetic towards them. Right. These are people who are insecure or embarrassed 
to share their faith. And maybe because they, like we were just saying, maybe because they're not exactly sure how to. And even worse for the people who rationalize that behavior. So we feel bad for the people who are embarrassed, one. We feel even worse for the people who rationalize that and try to make it sound like, you know what, we don't need to witness. And it makes me wonder if these people have really experienced the power of God in their life. Mm. Wouldn't they want to share that? Wow. There's the people we understand. We understand why they do what they do in this area. These are people who don't witness because they don't know the right way to do it. And they know the way they've been taught has done more harm than good. They know they need to learn more and they aren't going to harm others until they do so. So it's not the point of these people isn't I'm never going to witness or I shouldn't witness. It's the way I've been taught wrong. And until I learn the right way, I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. I understand people who would have that thought process. Sure. Then there's the people we're impressed with. These are people who understand salvation and their own story of salvation well enough to share it. And they actually share it. Nice. So what is the ultimate answer for witnessing Pastor Joel? Share your story of salvation for the benefit of the person you're sharing it with. Ooh, yeah. That's that's the two sides of this, right? Share your story of salvation for the benefit of the hearer. So one of the techniques that we've taught people at our respective music life churches, we call it the one, one, two. Mm-hmm. The one, one, two is essentially a story arc, but it's a way to model out a story arc to help people be able to share their salvation testimony in a concise enough way where, you know, cause if, if you just put someone on the spot and say, share your salvation story, depending on who that person is, you might get, 30 seconds, which might not be enough, or you might get 30 minutes, which you've lost your audience. So one, one, two is one minute about your life before you met Christ. One minute about your life when you were converted and two minutes of your life since conversion. Now notice this model isn't formulaic the way the Romans wrote is because each one of the sections of the one, one, two accounts for the uniqueness of the story of the person sharing it. It sure does. Now, in order to ensure that it is the benefit of the person you're telling your one, one, two, two, a benefit to the hearer, your one, one, two ought to also be paired with the correct doctrine of salvation. So if I share my one, one, two, my life before Christ, when I met Christ and since I met Christ, but within that, my explanation about how I met Christ is wrong. I'm actually hurting people. So my story paired with the correct doctrine of salvation is a way that I can benefit the person I'm sharing with. And the benefit of it being a story is no one can argue with it. 
people can argue with whether or not the doctrine of salvation is true. But no one can tell me I didn't, no one can justly tell me that the experience I had with the Lord didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And what's cool, the way our brains work is when I share a story with somebody, 20% of their, of their thought process is experiencing that story for themselves. The way our brains work when we mirror emotion and when Mm. we tell a story, especially face to face, right? Yeah. The people who hear my story then are 20% of the way there already. When they hear me tell my story the right way and with the right doctrine of salvation. And notice too, sharing the story, my one, one, two, my salvation testimony requires two things of the per- person of me sharing it. It requires yep. two things of me. One is I need to admit that I was in a bad place. So notice here too, or this requires me to be humble, which draws people in. Right. But it also is what, what if, if, if I'm rationalizing my behavior or my witnessing as my actions are my witness, my life is my witness. I'm limiting my ability to like, so then nobody, unless you were there the moment I received Christ, you'll oh, never experience good. that benefit from me. Oh, that's good. Wow. They're only going to get the, what my life was like after Christ aspect of witnessing. They're going to miss the other two parts. That's why it's important to testify, right? Because the first minute of my story You're not beholden. This isn't a law. This is a model we use to help us tell our story effective and efficiently. Yeah. One minute before I met Christ, you're never going to see that. If, if I met you when I'm already a Christian, I need to testify. I need to share that with you. Nice. What if you weren't there when I was saved? I need to share that with you. So the first implication, I need to admit I was in a bad place. I need to share these things with you that you didn't get to see in a way that proves I'm humble. And the second thing is this story shows an actual improvement in my life from before I met Christ to where I am today, which is actually this indirect confrontation to the person that I'm sharing with about whether or not they want to get better. Because my story is saying, my life sucked. Now it's great. Why? Because I met Christ. And it's a, it, it is this confrontation to the person of like, hey, if your life sucks, here's the answer. If your life continues to suck and you didn't, <laughs> and you didn't take my advice, you can't complain. So that's really the, so really the ultimate answer is share my story of salvation for the benefit of the hearer which requires me to have a quality story concise enough to keep their attention, sharing what happened to me upon conversion paired with the right doctrine of salvation. Beautiful. Well, what a great ending for the episode. Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We are here for you.